You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Good morning, Koinonia. Hallelujah. It's exciting to be here and exciting to see such a dynamic church gathering uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's a joy to be with you. I love your pastor and his wife and their family and your team. You guys are well-led and well-fed. I think you should say, praise God, for the leaders, for the leaders that he has given to you. Because I, you know, I have the honor of traveling the world and preaching and teaching, and I can tell you, not every church is healthy. This is a healthy church. This is a strong church. This is a good place for you. This is a good place for your children. This is a good place for your teenagers. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do next in Koinonia. I'm very proud of what's happening here, and you guys are blessed, and it's just an honor for me. Uh, I do have a church. I, I am not looking for another place to preach, but it's a true honor uh, for me to be here. And I wouldn't come here today unless I believed that God would give me a word, and he has given me a word. And I'm going to share that word with you in, in just a moment. I believe this word has the power, because it is from the word of God, but also because of its timing. I think it has the power to deeply encourage you and uh, to move you to a much, much better place than you've been living uh, through the power of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to share that word in just a moment. But first, let's get to know each other just really, really quick. I always like to know who I'm talking to. Uh, you know a little bit about me. I pastor in San Jose. I'm a, a, I'm a married man uh, coming up on 40 years. Uh, my wife and I, I just turned 60. That was serious. And uh, I have uh, two grown sons that are serving the Lord with me in the church. They're married. I have four amazing grandchildren. They are the greatest grandchildren, bar none, of any grandchildren in the history of grandchildren. And every grandparent knows what I mean, and you know that... that uh, that's the right way to feel about your grandchildren. I'm pastoring the church I got saved in. I was 14 years old. Uh, prior to being 14 and coming to Christ in a very powerful and dramatic experience, prior to that, I was really off track. As a 12-year-old, as a uh, getting deeply involved with alcohol and smoking dope, what, what gets into the mind of a 12-year-old? that gets them going down that path, that's a whole nother story. But I was very lonely and very frightened and very troubled as a, uh, a young person. And Jesus came into my life. I was raised in church, but I mean Jesus came into my life. And it changed me powerfully, and I became a part of our church, and now I'm leading that church, and we're now in coming up on seven cities. So it's a great adventure to serve the Lord. And I have found that uh, people uh, that have Jesus are the greatest people on the earth. So tell me about yourselves. Do we have any school teachers here? Raise, raise your hand if you're a school teacher or you're involved in education. Any teachers? Can we get up, give it up for the teachers right now? you got a tough job right now. <laughs> Principals, administrators, how about first responders? Any police, firefighter, uh, f folks like that? Thank you. Can we give it up for them? 
How about business people, Christian business people? You have a business, you're running, a, you make your living uh, based on other people saying yes to you. Can I see your, <laughs> can I see your, <laughs> how about, <clears throat> how about dog owners? Do we have any dog owners? I have a dog. I, whoa, second service is full of dog owners. I think first service was like mostly cat owners. It was very disturbing. No, I'm just I'm kidding. <laughs> I, have a, I have an eight-month-old Kane Corso, and he's a beautiful dog. His name is Rocky Balboa, the notorious RBC, Rocky Balboa Canastrasi. And uh, he's 126 pounds, so pray for me. <laughs> uh, how about single people? Do you, are there any people here that are single? Single and satisfied, single and happy? And then the rest of you would be married, and great to see teenagers and uh, family people here. Whatever you're doing, education, law enforcement, uh, business, maybe you're retired, I want you to really hear me today because your future is super bright. Now, we've just come through a really troubling season of time. And to be honest, I think there's more rough weather ahead. And so I want you to remember this message. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is God has decided to bless you. Not God wants to bless you. God has decided. He has made a firm decision in your favor and blessing is ahead for you. Our scripture is Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30. It's an amen verse. Everybody loves this verse, but I want to really put it before you and allow the Holy Spirit, if you would just allow the Holy Spirit to speak this directly to your heart, it'll help you. Romans 8. And we know that all things work together for good. Wow, I could stop right there. Everybody say good. Yeah. All things work together for good to those who love God. Didn't say all things are good, but there's something about the way God has control and command of all things, and he turns it out for good. For those who love God, for those who are the called, according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. That's an interesting word. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn, Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, there's that word again, those he also called and whom he called, these he also justified and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What Paul is saying here is that God has done everything that it takes to get us safely home. And he will not stop. And when we go through hard times and hard seasons like we've just come through, we need to remember this word. For you here in Hanford and for me in San Jose and six other cities, we struggled, I think, worse in our county than many counties because we had, of course, the California mandates through this last season. And then in our county, we had a health officer that doubled down on those mandates so that where in many counties you could have 50 people in a house of worship, in our county you could have zero. We had 0% occupancy. But at Petco, 
You could get 25% of people in. You could go to Costco, and you were absolutely, completely safe. But if you, if three people walked into a church auditorium this size, they were in mortal danger. That was according to our health officer. So we took her on, and we took on the governor of the state of California, and we went all the way to the Supreme Court. And I'll, I'll let you know... <laughs> That what happened to us all in Hanford and San Jose and everywhere, that wasn't good. But God worked it out for good because we gave his honor, the governor, we gave him a black eye and we gave our health officer a black eye in, in Jesus' name. It was, it was beautifully done. And they rethought, suddenly rethought their policy of treating churches differently than Petco. And so now that's been ironed out, and we're actually in uh, litigation now, actually, excuse me, uh, mediation right now to settle with the state of California and to settle with uh, the county of Santa Clara. And we have the template, and the template goes like this. You will never do this again. And if you promise to never do this again... we will pull our lawyers back off of your throat. So be in prayer. Everything that has happened over this last season of time has not been good. And if you're in business, and if you've been a part of schools, and if you're a first responder, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's been some tough, tough times in the earth. Business people, you understand. Parents of small children. It hasn't all been good. But I'm here to remind you today, based on the authority of God's Word, that even in the middle of hard things, in trouble, just remember this. When God makes up His mind, everything is going to be all right. And God has made up His mind. I want to take you to a story from the Old Testament. And uh, if, if you've heard this story before, I think you're going to enjoy hearing it again. And if you've never heard this story, I think it's going to set you up to understand this principle that I'd like you to grab hold of today for your life. And that is that when you come into the worst of the worst times, God's going to turn it around for good. That's his promise. The story is of King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel, perhaps one of the greatest kings for sure, in the history of kings. A man who loved God. He wrote the majority of the book of Psalms. Um, Jesus is called the son of David. I mean, David was a great king, and he was placed into position by God himself. The prophet Samuel anointed him. Remember, it was a supernatural thing. He had seven brothers. And the prophet looked at all seven of those brothers, and he said, I... Isn't there one more? And they brought David, and they anointed him. He was selected by God. God had made up his mind. David was his choice for leading the nation of Israel. And when David was installed as the king, Israel became literally, uh, they call it the golden age of Israel. The kingdom expanded. There was wealth. There were alliances and treaties, and it was a great time in Israel. However, David had a son named Absalom who had issues in his tissues. Absalom was a complicated person, and he had a complicated relationship with his father. 
And complication equals pain. I don't know if you know complicated people, but nothing is ever quite right for them. Nothing is ever quite enough. And then if you make a legitimate mistake with a complicated person, all hell breaks loose and, it, and life just goes to a, a whole nother level. I have a little advice for you if you're married or if you're part of a family or if you're on a church team. Don't be complicated. Take it easy, flow, glow, and go for God. Don't get caught up in every little thing, okay? Well, Absalom, he, and David did make some mistakes with Absalom. Every parent makes mistakes, and David, he had some whoppers with his son, and the, the relationship went south, and now Absalom starts to secretly win the hearts of the people of Israel and gradually subvert the kingdom and basically seize power away from his father, his own father. And it's a rebellion, and it's a coup d'etat, and it's a real lesson, by the way, for leaders that, you know, authority is delegated, it's not grabbed. You don't take authority, you are given authority. How many understand what I'm saying? But Absalom made the mistake, he grabbed it. And he took it, and it wasn't his. David was God's choice. And it becomes a heartbreaking story because overnight, David finds himself kicked out of his own palace by his own family. That's a really hard situation. Now David is homeless, literally fleeing into the wilderness for his life. No more butcher, no more baker, no more candlestick maker, no more uh, big banquets in the palace. He's out, and it was his own son, and he's a laughing stock, and people are saying, oh, David, you know, the old guy, he doesn't have it anymore. We've got Absalom now. Yay, we got a real king. He, Absalom was charismatic, and the only problem was Absalom was not God's choice. So, David, I don't know if you've ever been in a moment where you've lost everything, and it's shaking you to your core, and you have to ask yourself. You don't want to, but you find the question forming on the inside of yourself. Something has happened here. Is God really with me? Did I really hear from God? Did I get this right? Am I the king, in essence? Did God choose me? Am I in the right place? Is my family ever going to be whole again? Is my business going to come back? Is my life over? What, what's to become of me? I thought that God was in control of my life. Because there's something about when things are going great, it's easy to believe that God is in control. <laughs> That's the time where we say, "Woo! God is in control. But will we say that when we're in the worst moment of our life? Has God lost control when you lose your child or when you lose your business? or your body is filled with pain, is he or isn't he? The promise of our verse says that not all things are good, but it says God causes all things to work together for good. And this is the beauty of how, how in control and how sovereign our God is. The story turns around as we read how God starts to work behind the scenes for David. Now, let me give you uh, where the story finally ends up. David of course, becomes king again. He's restored. But how it happens is quite amazing. 
And if you'll bear with me, I want to give you just a few of the details of how God worked all things together for David's good. As the revolt proceeded against David, and he's now out in the wilderness, Absalom, his son, pulls together his advisors, his staff, his team. And the topic on the table for this particular meeting is, not now what are we going to do to bless the people of Israel because now we have this great responsibility as leaders. No, that's not what they're talking about. Their discussion is how to kill David and finish him off. Because Absalom is a picture of Satan himself. And Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not out just to grab a little power in your life. He's not out to trick you or give you a flat tire. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy everything about you. He wants to finish the job. And by the way, in case you're confused about it, once he's done with you, if he has his way, he'll go after your family and your children and your grandchildren, and he'll keep on rolling until somebody stops him. The good news is Jesus Christ will stop him every time. In fact, in fact, this church and my church and your life are living proof that God is in control. Because think about everything we've been through during this last season. If the devil could take out Koinonia Church, for example, if he could, if he had the power to just shut it down and stop this church, my question is, what's he waiting for? Why hasn't he done it already? Why would the devil allow us to have one more Sunday and lead more people to Christ? Hey, I got a newsflash for you. The reason we're still here is because we can't be canceled. We are uncancelable. We are because God has made the decision that Koinonia is going to stand. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? And he's made the same decision about you. Why are you still sucking wind in and blowing it back out? What's the devil waiting for? Why hasn't he taken you out? It's not that he doesn't want to take you out. It's that he can't take you out. That God sets the limits and God is fully in control. And if God has chosen you and set you where you are, nobody can take you out. And if they take you out, God will put you right back where you are. And that's exactly what happened with David, despite Absalom's staff meeting. Well, in this staff meeting, they're talking through how to finish David off. Where do we, how do we come up on him? You know, he's a warrior, so we got to surround him. Or what are the different options for getting David and killing him completely? And, and there are two counselors that are at Absalom, the betrayer's table. One is the name, uh, one is uh, Ahithophel. Ahithophel was uh, a counselor for David. And he switched teams. As soon as Absalom got popular, Ahithophel abandoned David. And when David heard of this abandonment, he prayed a prayer and he said, Oh Lord, let the counsel of Ahithophel be turned into confusion. That was his prayer. Don't let his counsel work. And do you know what? That's exactly what happened. So at the table, Ahithophel had a plan, but there was another guy at the table, and his name was Hushai. If you think Canastrace is a weird name, what's your name? Hushai. That sounds, that sounds like a Pentecostal name, doesn't it? What's your name? Hushai. Woo. All right. So Hushai is there, and he's a plant from David's team. He's still loyal to David, but he worms his way into 
Absalom's staff and says, yeah, David, yeah, he's finished. I'm on the team now. And Absalom believed him. So now they both present a plan. I'm going somewhere. Don't get lost. Stay with it. How many are still with me? All right. Because he causes all things to work. He's in the details. And he will have his way in your life. In your business, in your classroom, he'll have his way. So <clears throat> Absalom says, give me your plan for how we kill David. And Hushai gives a plan, which was really a plan that would sound like a great plan to kill David, but actually would preserve David, because remember, Hushai is on David's team. And Ahithophel gives a really demonically ingenious plan, the plan that would have worked to kill David. And look at verse 14 in chapter 17. This is the verse that I think could hit you like a cannonball from heaven. Verse 14, then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Hushai's advice, remember Hushai's the good guy. Hushai's advice is better than Ahithophel's. Why? Don't miss this. Because the Lord had determined already to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel, which really was the better plan, so that he, God, could bring disaster upon Absalom. What am I saying? I'm saying God got down into that board meeting from hell and blinded Absalom's eyes to the clearly better plan and actually attracted him to the worst plan, the plan that would keep David alive. Now, here's what I want to say to you. God is working in your life right now behind the scenes, causing all things to work for your good. Even the stuff that looks like betrayal and pain and brokenness and family problems and business problems and physical pain and emotional pain. God is in the middle of that council. And he is working on your behalf because he's already decided to restore you and bless you and bring you back as he did, David, to the place of power and influence. Your story is not going to get worse and worse and worse. Your story will not end with Absalom having his foot on your throat. Your story will end with you back on top. Can I have a hallelujah this morning? Not because all things are good. They're not. But there's something about the way God commands all things that he, he causes it to work for good. It says the Lord had determined to defeat the council. And that's just a great phrase. God has determined. It means he's made a decision. Some other translations say the Lord has ordained. He's made a firm decision. Some say the Lord had appointed decreed, decided, arranged, resolved, commanded, planned, but it all means the same thing, and that is that the Lord had made up his mind to bless David. God had already decided to defeat, thwart, frustrate, and circumvent the good counsel of Ahithophel in answer to David's prayer, so that, so that and that plan would have worked to defeat David. The Lord decided to bring disaster and ruin on Absalom because Absalom was not God's choice. God did not choose Absalom. God chose David. And God chose you. And he's made a choice about you. You are predestined in him. And you're his child. And God's plan is being accomplished no matter how bad things look. 
Now, in this present moment, I have to tell you, you have a choice to make. With the state of California and America and everything that's going on right now, you can be chicken little, freaking out, running around in circles, saying the sky is falling, and you can give yourself a heart attack, and you can make everybody in your life nervous and miserable, or you can believe that God is in control, even in the worst. And that's not to say that... That's not to say that we don't have some serious issues or some understandable reasons to panic, but we can't think like a normal, we can't think like people that don't understand God. We've got to think like people that know who God is. We can't think like everybody else. We've got to say, wait a minute, there's a God in heaven and he is firmly in control. And so we're not in a panic. We are in a place of faith. We are in a place of prayer. We are concerned but we're sleeping at night because God makes, all things are not good, but God makes all things work together for good, and that's the higher promise. Are you getting anything out of this? When, here's it. When God makes a decision to bless you, you're, you're sleeping at night. When that really gets into your heart, I'm going to be okay. My church is going to be Okay. The Lord is going to have his way. Theologians have a word for this. It's called predetermination. Now, I didn't say predestination. That's something different. We could talk about that another time. But predetermination, that word means, it's a Bible word, a theology word that means that God makes up his mind and he sets a plan in motion. And when he sets a plan in motion, it's going to go that way. You say, well, what about free will? We could have that debate. God is sovereign but people make choices. But nobody can make a choice that unseats God from his sovereign plan. At the end of the day, God always wins. God never is defeated. So free will is a part of the chess match, but it's wired. How many, it's a fixed fight. How many understand that? Because when Jesus bowed his head on that cross and said, it is finished, he meant it. It's finished. The battle is over. This thing is wired. This thing is on lock. The blessings of God are on lock for you if you are in Christ Jesus. And what predetermination means is just simply that God's plan is being accomplished no matter how bad things may look. Now, if you're not sure if I just went off the rails theologically, let me just give you a few verses, then I'm going to tell you a story, and then we're going to pray together. All right? Would that be all right? How many love the Bible? If, if I showed it to you in the Bible, if I showed it to you in the Bible that God has your life on lock, would you believe it? Let me show you. Proverbs 13, uh, 16, verse 33. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines. Everybody say, the Lord determines. The Lord determines how they fall. The Amplified Version says, the decision is holy of the Lord. Even the events that seem accidental are really ordered by him. Would you let that heal your mind today? Even the things that you thought were diabolical reverses, God's still completely and totally in control. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he's talking to the people that crucified Jesus. The worst injustice. We could talk today about injustice. The greatest injustice in the history of injustices was that a completely innocent, sinless person was rejected and crucified by a religious system and a people. That was oppressive and unjust. But Peter said, God knew that would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of the lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and killed him, and that wasn't good. But in that, God caused all things to work together. In fact, there's another verse that says in the New Testament, if the rulers of darkness had known that they were crucifying the Lamb of God, they would never have done it. Because when Jesus died on the cross, they thought that it was then Absalom. The enemy thought it was an Absalom coup d'etat, that now everybody would worship him. He didn't realize that the shedding of his blood would release the greatest revival and the greatest redemption in the history of the world, that the, that the sins of the world would be washed with that shed blood. And Jesus would be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Dumb devil! Right? But in that moment, you're looking at a bleeding Jesus, and you're saying, this is the end. This is over. We're, we're finished. But you don't, you don't realize that God is in control and that his prearranged plan was working all along. Now, today, if you have faith in Christ, your sins can be washed away. And I urge you before you leave this building, if you don't, if you don't know that your sins are washed away, if you don't know that, you're, that if you die and you stand before God, if you don't know that you're forgiven and, and, and that you're going to heaven... You can settle that question right now by turning your life over to Jesus and trusting him fully and completely to take the worst things of your life and remove them and make your life work out for good. Acts chapter 17 says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and he has determined, every ethnic group, he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of the... God is in control. And by the way... He's in control of what's happening in Haiti, and he's in control of what's happening in Afghanistan, and it looks like a nightmare, but I'm, I'm just believing for God to bring good out of it for the believers that are there and for, for those of us, and we need to pray, amen? By the way, it says one blood. Everybody say one blood. Can I just throw this in? You're being lied to. You're being lied to when people tell you there are different races. Because there's only one race. It's called the human race. And Satan's plan, Satan's plan is to get us divided up according to whatever, color or language or what. And those things are beautiful. Color is beautiful and language and culture is beautiful. But just let's not forget there's only one blood flowing through every one of us, red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in his sight. And there is only one race, and that's the human race, and it's time for us to love each other and honor each other and stay connected to each other. Could I have an amen here? Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 says, We are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God has predestined, planned beforehand 
for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we could walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged. Your good life is on lock. It's settled. But here's my favorite verse in the whole stack of these verses about God's choice, and I'm coming to the end of the message. Zechariah 8, verse 15. But now, God says, I am determined. I've decided to bless. And he said, when I make a decision to bless, you therefore have no more worries. The life that Christ offers to each and every one of us is such a supernaturally confident, composed, settled life. If we really understand that Jesus is king, if we really understand in Hanford, California, that God is in control, no matter what happens, we will fight our battles and we will face those dark days, but we will have victory every single time. Because we have a God that's fully in control, and even when it seems like it's over, it ain't over. It ain't over until God says it's over, and he will always have the last word in your life, no matter how bad it looks. I call on you to trust him. I call on you to let go of worry and fear and panic and believe again that the future is bright. Even if dark days come this week or next year, who knows what will happen. But I'm not worried about it. I'm not nervous. And God's not nervous. Our church is going to be fine. Your family's going to be fine. And God's going to take care of his own children. Not everything that happens to you will be good. But God will cause it to work for your good. And you'll come out on top. Do you believe this? Your blessings are on lock. So serve the Lord with courage and boldness and faith and encourage one another and stay true to the Lord and put off the works of the flesh and live clean and live holy lives. Love each other and see the best in each other. And if you notice some dirt on your brother or sister's feet, if they have an attitude or an issue or whatever, just wash it off in love. Don't be complicated. Be trusting him. Let me close with a quick story, and then Pastor Andrew's going to come and finish the service. It appears that God made up his mind about the Methodist Episcopal Church in Swan Quarter, North Carolina. The year was 1876. The church needed a new building. So when somebody donated a piece of land, they accepted the land was low-lying land, so they were careful to build a sturdy church on brick pilings in case there was ever a flood. Well, sure enough, a few days after the construction of the Methodist Episcopal Church in Swan Quarter, North Carolina in 1876, a storm lashed that town. This is a true story. And a flood came. And that low-lying piece of land where the church was built was suddenly underwater. But something miraculous happened, something remarkable. The church building, still intact, lifted off of its pilings and began to float on the floodwaters, floating down the middle of the center of town. In a panic, people saw their freshly built church 
and they threw ropes on it trying to moor it like a boat and hold it in its place but it just kept moving and at the town center as it came and dozens of eyewitnesses watched this it made a sharp inexplicable right hand turn and continued on down another road finally in the same decisive manner that it veered off the main road it headed straight for another vacant lot and stopped dead in the center of that lot the floodwaters eventually receded but the building is still there 140 years later the church now called Providence Methodist Church floated itself to the most desirable property in town and here's what's amazing where that church landed and came to rest was the piece of land that the church really wanted to buy for the church it was the best location but the owner of the land refused to sell it to the church his name is Sam Sadler we know his name because a couple of days after the church came to rest Sam Sadler pulled out the deed and signed it over to the church and gave it to the church what I'm saying to you is the flood isn't good but there's something about the way God uses all the floods to bring us and to get us to the exact place where we need to go let's bow our heads father I pray for your people and I ask Lord that you would seal this word so deeply into their heart that it would change them emotionally and psychologically and it would change their marriages and their careers and the choices that they make because they will trust you to cause things to work together for good. I pray for people in this room that are going through the worst moments of their life. And I ask you to comfort them deeply. And I pray that all of us would decide today to trust in Christ as we've never trusted him before. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Koinonia. It's been a joy to be with you. Amen. Boy, are you encouraged today? That's so good. So, so, so good. Would you stand to your feet with me? And I just want to do something with you before I dismiss you. I just want to encourage you. If you've been encouraged today, we want to be a blessing to Pastor David. So would you just extend your hand to him? And I want to invite you to pray for him. Lord, thank you for this man. Thank you for his ministry, for his life. Thank you uh, that he's been here with us today and brought the word of the Lord. Now, Lord, we just pray encouragement, energy, life into him, that it would return to him tenfold for what he has given. Bless him, his wife. Bless his church, Lord. We pray increase upon him. We pray, Lord, that in this year that he would see your, your hand greater and greater than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.